Chapter 4 So just tax the rich, right? The people are hungry. It is because those in authority eat up too much in taxes. Lao Tzu Although the United States already has the highest corporate tax rate in the world, some would like to tax people more, believing that this is the solution. And, oh, they're avoiding these taxes by moving to other countries. Well, it's not illegal to move. And if they're avoiding them now, if you increase the taxes, they're not going to avoid them? No, they're more likely to move. We just need to tax those evil rich people more, and then magically all that money will help poor people and things will be great. So why can't we just tax rich people more? Sadly, the belief that the tax money will somehow be automatically graciously redistributed to the poor is a myth. The government spends over half of the discretionary taxes it receives on the military, and of that, most of it goes to shiny new war toys, not the salaries of the soldiers. As long as the U.S. government continues to waste hundreds of billions of dollars on wars and occupations, not to mention spend more on its military than Russia, China, India, Germany, Japan, France, and the United Kingdom combined, taxing people more won't solve a thing. All it will accomplish is to make the next war we engage in larger and more expensive. Before we can enact any new taxes or tax increases, we must first embrace a healthy dose of reality and enact some spending cuts. Every time the government complains about the budget deficit or national debt, we should all respond by demanding some appropriate cuts in defense spending. And let's be totally clear, what the government prefers to label as defense is in reality offense. If bombing cities is defense, then what the heck is offense? The barbaric actions of both the military and the Central Intelligence Agency so far have served only to encourage rather than discourage the violent reactions of countries with which we engage. If someone blew up an American town, how would we react? Check your exceptionalism. Yet, every time Congress whines about the need to raise the debt ceiling, they pretend like the only other options are to cut social programs or raise taxes. It's all hogwash used to hide the untouchable mass military pork. While they are audacious enough to evoke the name of our troops to justify more military spending, the reality is that the troops are not seeing any of the money either. Contracts are going out to weapons manufacturers to build new military vehicles for the troops, which have been discovered to be incredibly unsafe. They waste trillions in these programs. Some of the new war toys don't even work at all because they're designed around what all has the most expensive components rather than what is the most combat effective. So when our congressmen cry that they don't have enough money to cover our domestic needs, it falls on the public to step up and demand an end to the pointless wars, bloated military budget, and highly immoral, costly activities of our intelligence and security agencies. Whenever the government throws up a scare tactic, it is up to us to have the presence of mind to see through it. Governments love a good crisis. As President Obama's former White House Chief of Staff, Rahm Emanuel, stated, You never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things you think you could not do before. One can only stand in awe of the three-letter network's coined fiscal cliff fiasco of 2012 and 13. The government alleges to have saved us from this fiscal cliff crisis 
a rescue it accomplished through the creation of all new methods of legalized theft. The fact is, the crisis was a self-inflicted one brought about through reckless overspending, mostly on murdering foreigners, and hidden behind the disastrous rubric of the War on Terror. The other giant sinkhole remains the U.S.'s government policy of selective corporate welfare, which has been presented to the public as a necessary step to be taken to avoid a crisis. Our government spends an incredible amount of money helping the public afford things that the government itself helped make unaffordable to begin with. However, there is a camp out there that is blind to all of this. They do not blame the government for wasting money, but the wealthy for not paying enough taxes. If only we taxed rich people more, everything would be fine and rainbows would shoot out of the mailboxes, they claim. If I had a dime for every time I heard someone blame the entire economic depression on the Bush-era tax cuts, I could afford to make Warren Buffett my butler. And for the sake of historical accuracy, it was President Obama who made the Bush tax cuts permanent, so we ought to be calling them the Obama cuts now. So how can taking money away from the producers and employers and giving it to the totally honest, benevolent, peace-loving leaders in Washington be bad for the economy? The problem is there aren't any honest, benevolent, peace-loving leaders in Washington, just the usual crowd of dishonest, malnevolent, warmongering yes-men. They don't lift a finger to redistribute wealth to help the poor. And the social programs we do have are subsidizing failure. If you're going to pay people more to have a broken home, you will end up with more single mothers. If you're going to pay schools more when they fail, you're going to end up with lots of failure. They're incentivizing failure. What they do now is they take money away from the average citizen and hand it over to Wall Street. So speculators might better engage in fraud. And they hand it to the Pentagon, so they might better engage in mass murder. Considering where our tax money actually ends up, why in the world would you want the government to have more of it? As it is, our existing social welfare suffers from the age-old problem where the majority of the money allotted winds up being eaten up by the administrative fees of the middlemen. This is not something you have to speculate about or guess upon. They've had many decades of these social welfare programs and all these promises. Oh, give it time, give it time. It has been given time. Show me one success story. They are failures. Welfare has decimated the poor. It has made things worse for minorities, for women, for all the special status welfare that has been divvied out. It has done the opposite of what they intended. Unless you believe that is what they really intended. If, if implemented correctly, welfare for the impoverished is a good thing. Not only because it's the ethical thing to do, but also because it's the best economic policy. It's better to help people in need than to force them to help themselves by any means, up to and including crime. Poverty is the number one cause of violent crime. That is not to say that giving people money to keep them from turning to desperate solutions is the best long-term solution either. There will always be a division between those satisfied to live as freeloaders and those who want to work. Why work a minimum wage job if you can make the same amount of money collecting welfare and enjoying copious amounts of leisure time? Most people not only wouldn't, they don't, making reliable employees hard to find. An obvious solution would be to pay more than the minimum wage requires. In the case of America's biggest corporate franchises, the minimum wage law protects them from new competitors. When companies have to pay employees expensive health care costs, that seems like a plus. 
but actually it just decreases the chances of the employee ever getting a raise or being hired in the first place. There will always be legitimate and illegitimate cases in welfare. One can always cherry-pick the examples they wish to support their case. Yet talking about how much money is spent on helping the poor, freeloading or not, genuinely in need of help or not, is a moot point. Our system of safety net welfare can't hold a candle to the behemoth that is corporate welfare. One ought to be far more disgusted and angry at the millionaires and billionaires receiving stupefying amounts of tax money from the government. Prioritize your list. There's nothing the government enjoys more than creating division and fighting among the hoi polloi while the plutocrats get off scot-free. When it comes to socioeconomic issues, this continues to be a continuing source of aggravation between progressives and libertarians. The progressives will say things like, So you just want to throw everyone out in the street? Or, Corporations can just do whatever they want with no regulations? It's corporatism, man! The great misunderstanding progressives have about libertarians and non-interventionist policy has nothing to do with the foreign policy of peace and trade. They will support peace at least when their brand's not in charge. When their brand's in charge, war is okay. Conversely, they'll tolerate more war just as long as the perception that the government is taking care of poor people persists. As long as some flimsy pretext is offered, they'll gobble that up. They would rather tax everyone, especially corporations and the rich, and give that money to their imaginary benevolent overlords in D.C. who will then, out of the goodness of their hearts, redistribute it to the needy rather than drop $708 billion into Defense Department funding to allow them to perfect their programs of mass murder, which is actually what has happened. Just say the war is humane. We've drawn it for humanitarian purposes, and you can sell them on it, and they will bend over and you can win their support. Likewise, all you have to do is just say that foreign and domestic aid is helping the poor and they will believe you without looking at what's actually happening. What the majority of progressives do not understand is that corporatism exists because of government, not in spite of it. Where do corporate welfare and bailouts come from? They come from the government. It comes from defense contracts or it might be a direct bailout. Without the government and the Fed, you can't have either one. They are the enabler in this relationship. The only way the government can create jobs is by taking resources away from the private sector, which ironically means fewer jobs remaining in the private sector. To encourage true wealth sharing, perhaps the government ought to offer a tax cut for those with higher payrolls. Instead, we have the opposite situation where the payroll tax just makes less money available for employees and businesses, and yet more for the government. The payroll tax is specifically attacking the poor. However, when you bring up this topic of tax cuts for businesses, you will find a significant portion of the working class is ideologically opposed to them, as they work under the belief that all businesses are greedy and want to avoid paying taxes because of greed. As a result, they fight against any breaks for businesses, not understanding that they are working against their own best interest. What they fail to understand is that the significant tax for businesses is the payroll tax, which has to be cut out of the employee's paycheck. On top of that, you have the Social Security tax, theoretically to fund Social Security. The London School of Economics was quoted in saying, the payroll tax cut, which was in place during all of 2011 and 2012, reduced Social Security and Medicare taxes withheld from workers' paychecks by 2%. This tax cut affected nearly 155 million workers in the United States and put an additional 
1000 a year in the pocket of the average household earning 50000 As part of the fiscal cliff negotiations, Congress allowed the 2011-2012 payroll cut to expire at the end of 2012, and the higher income that workers had grown accustomed to was gone. Yet worst of all, the money they take from workers for their Social Security isn't actually saved for Social Security. The government spends it on other things. Yes, they spent all $2.6 trillion of it. Charles Krauthalmer explained in the Washington Post. South Carolina Senator Ernest Hollings revealed to the Federal Reserve Chairman what Congress had actually been doing with the money, which is supposed to be in an untouchable trust. So to sum up, the government is lying and stealing. Imagine my lack of shock. The government has been lying to people and stealing their money from Social Security Trust Fund. They continue to finance this theft by collecting even more money from the public with the promise that it will be kept safe and sound in a trust to be returned to them when they retire. One might say that the government has the reverse Midas touch, which causes everything they get involved in to lose value. Education, energy, agriculture, health care, housing, foreign aid, the environment, even the mail. Everywhere they try to help people, they just end up making things more expensive for them. While it may not be what progressives intended, this outcome is dictated by the realities of economics. A new bubble is coming, this time it will be the debt bubble. The nation's debt is already enormous and the government cannot go on borrowing forever. The freedom we should have is the freedom to be responsible for our own actions. It is a tendency of human nature that we try to make laws not for ourselves but for other people. People think that by placing restrictions on other people they are doing it for their own good and protection. But the government must stay out of issues of economic equality and personal liberty because to do otherwise always results in tyranny. The erosion of civil liberties coincides with the tyranny of government which always begins its expansion quietly hidden behind do-gooder labels. No one should get bent out of shape over what they think their neighbor does with their own body or how they spend their money. If you feel the overpowering urge to do so, just take a deep breath and grow up.